This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Tonight, five days to go until Election Day. Powerful Hurricane Zeta kills at least six people as the Southeast feels the remnants causing President Trump to postpone a North Carolina rally and delaying early voting in Georgia. The deadly storm moves up the coast and out to sea, but not before leaving millions without power, destroying homes and businesses, tearing the steeple off this church. Swing state showdown. Both candidates are in the nation's largest battleground, Florida, hoping to bring out three key constituencies, Latinos, seniors, and young voters. Five days from now, we are going to win Florida. If Florida goes blue, it's over. Explosive economic growth. After the worst quarter in history, the U.S. economy grew at its fastest pace ever. But without help from Congress, could the GDP plunge again? COVID's new wave as the U.S. nears 9 million cases. Hospitals in Wisconsin are just weeks away from running out of space. And the Texas County tonight dealing with more hospitalized patients than 33 states. France on edge tonight after a suspected terror attack in a Catholic church killing three people. The nightmare scenario. What President Trump's former director of national intelligence says he worries about most on Election Day. What's your advice to the average voter, Democrat or Republican, who's anxious, nervous about this election? And what we can all learn from Anna. Even at 101 years old, she would not let a little rain stop her from voting. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting tonight from CBS News Election Headquarters in Times Square. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin tonight with breaking news. With the election just five days away, Zeta, the storm that roared ashore on the Gulf Coast as a hurricane Wednesday night, is wreaking havoc up and down the East Coast tonight. 
and throwing a wrench in the final days of the campaign. As we come on the air, at least six people are dead and millions are without power after Zeta ripped through homes in Louisiana overnight before tearing across the South today. Tonight, wind gusts in North Carolina are forcing President Trump to postpone a planned rally in that battleground state. Power outages in Georgia pushed early voting sites in 17 counties to shorten their hours or shut down. And Louisiana's governor now says he's making restoring power at polling places there a priority. Well, the weather didn't stop President Trump and Joe Biden from holding head-to-head rallies in a sunny Tampa, Florida today, going after each other and the few voters who still haven't made up their minds in that must-win state. And tonight, with the U.S. closing in on 9 million infections of the coronavirus, the candidates are focusing their closing arguments on their very different views of how the president has handled the pandemic. There's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight. We've got our team of correspondents all standing by. CBS's Danya Backus is going to lead off our coverage tonight from the hurricane disaster zone in Mississippi. Good evening, Danya. Nora, the power of this storm can be seen in this Long Beach, Mississippi parking lot. The storm surged so strong it pushed this boat here from a marina at least a quarter mile away. The force of Hurricane Zeta was felt from the Gulf Coast as far north as Virginia, killing at least six people in four states. The storm left a trail of destruction, ripping roofs off homes and tearing down trees and power lines as it raced through the south with winds up to 110 miles per hour. Tonight, nearly 2 million people are in the dark. The biggest challenge we have is restoration of electricity. There's significant damage to homes, to businesses, uh, to infrastructure across uh, southeast Louisiana. First responders struggled to reach hard-hit Grand Isle, where at least three levees were breached. And the fast-moving storm prompted rescues in Mississippi. And we woke up, and the house was flooding, and we were all scared because the water was coming in really fast, and we didn't know what to do. The fierce winds and rain downed trees and power lines throughout Atlanta, where there was a tropical storm warning for the third time ever. The steeple of Pastor Dan Nance's Biloxi, Mississippi church was toppled by wind. With the steeple, it looks like it actually fell in the right direction. Yes, sir. Not to cause any damage to we, the church. We were very fortunate. It nudged our sign a little bit, but it could have taken it out. Tonight, the cleanup continues. Crews are working to restore power, but it could be days before everyone has electricity again. Nora? Danya Backes, thank you. Now to the other breaking news tonight. Record early voting turnout is not slowing down. More than 80 million Americans have already voted. And tonight, both candidates are fighting for the dwindling number who haven't yet cast their ballots. Tonight, both had their focus on Florida and its 29 electoral votes. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Head-to-head today in one of the most important states on Election Day, and each candidate with their own take on the outcome. Five days from now, we are going to win Florida. Florida goes blue. It's over. It's over. Biden may be right. If he takes the Sunshine State, President Trump has a much narrower path to victory. Right now, he's trailing Biden, but only slightly. With a record 7.3 million votes already in, the split shows Democrats with an edge. But the president is counting on his supporters to flood the polls on Tuesday. You have to get out and vote. We are creating the greatest red wave in the history of our country. Once again, the president's rally was packed with thousands of people, shoulder to shoulder with few masks. You know the bottom line, though? You're going to get better. You're going to get better. 
If I can get better, anybody can get better. And as the president again downplayed the virus, some members of the audience fell sick and were escorted out because of 87-degree temperatures and high humidity. Hoses cooled the crowd. So thank you for wearing your mask, and thank you for the social distancing, and thank you for being here. Meanwhile, Biden held a smaller, more socially distanced event where he addressed the president's boasts about the record GDP number announced this morning. Nobody's ever seen a number like this. But the record growth in the third quarter still hasn't brought the economy back to its pre-pandemic highs. And many economists argue it won't end the pandemic recession. When Barack and I left office, we left Donald Trump a strong economy, stronger than the one he handled. And just like just like everything else he inherited, he blew it. Now he's squandering that economy like he squandered everything else. The president's handling of the pandemic has helped propel Biden in the polls in Florida, and he stuck to that message today. President Trump's super spreader events that he's spreading more virus around the country and here in Florida today. He's spreading division in addition, division and discord. We need a president who's going to bring us together. With COVID limiting the Biden campaign's ground game in Florida, they've taken to the air, with more than $300 million spent on ads by the candidates in Florida alone. And Ed O'Keefe joins us now. Let's talk about that early voting because it is smashing records nationwide. That's right. And several states are now on pace to exceed their 2016 turnout totals. Hawaii has already done it. Perhaps that's not surprising to do all their voting by mail in Hawaii. But Texas is a far bigger surprise. Already, as possibly as soon as tomorrow, they could exceed their 2016 turnout with 8.2 million votes already cast. 82 percent of the 2016 total is in already in Georgia, 81 percent in North Carolina. All of this a reminder. We are on the verge, potentially, of the biggest turnout for an American presidential election in more than 100 years. Wow. Well, as a Texas girl, it doesn't surprise me that Texas is going big. Thank you, Ed O'Keefe. Yeah. All right. If Florida voters, again, hold the key to the White House, the race hinges on three important groups who could decide the winner. Here's CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. The final days of campaigning have reached a fever pitch in the Sunshine State. From the polls to the streets. We're just canvassing in the neighborhood to get the vote out. You know, there's five days left of this election, and every day people should treat it like it's election day. 23-year-old Amalia Clark lost her job as a restaurant cook during the pandemic. She's joined her workers' union in rallying votes for Joe Biden, who, according to our latest battleground tracker, has a lead among the state's Latino voters, like her. We can't afford another four years with Donald Trump, period. And while Biden appears to have chipped away at President Trump's support among the state's sizable senior population, the president still leads. Gene Reese told us why he got her vote. All these years, Trump has been done very well for me. So I know there are people that it hasn't, but... And done well for you in, in what way? Financial, investments. Now there's a push for young voters, and it seems to be working. One analysis shows more than three times as many Florida voters under 30 have cast their ballots early compared to a similar time period in 2016. I think that this president has peddled in uh, the worst kinds of uh, rhetoric uh, and appealed to the worst parts of our nature. And I think Joe Biden is the exact opposite of that. I voted for President Trump. I felt that he did a, before COVID hit, he was doing well. And um, I feel like if something's working, not to change it. It has been lively outside this polling location in Pembroke Pines, Florida. You can see all the signs and banners. There's even music. 
We should point out that in 2016, our battleground tracker had both candidates tied. Leading up to the election, President Trump won this state by just over 1%. Nora? Manny Bajorquez, thank you. Tonight, we are seeing an alarming rise in new coronavirus cases from coast to coast. New infections are up in 45 states over the past two weeks. Nearly 95 percent of the U.S. population lives in a state where cases are rising. The U.S. within hours will surpass 9 million confirmed cases. There have already been more than 228,000 deaths. And in some areas, hospitals are overwhelmed with COVID patients. Here's CBS's Janet Shamlian. With much of the nation reeling, this is what it's come to in El Paso amid a relentless COVID surge. Mobile medical units with tightly packed beds set up in a parking lot. It is frustrating. Dr. Jose Burgos says hospitals are overwhelmed. El Paso County now has more hospitalized coronavirus patients, 934, than 33 states. And additional doctors and nurses sent by the state aren't enough. I mean, we have never uh, seen that situation like this before. Is there enough happening for El Paso? We are on a constant request uh, for staff. Utah also facing an increasingly desperate situation. We are in the middle of a very, very serious spike, and we need to take every precaution to avoid the worst case. That could now be happening in Wisconsin, where hospitals say they could run out of ICU beds in two weeks. The numbers are stunning. We're going to have many more hospitalizations, and that will inevitably lead to more deaths. But there's a bright spot in Miami tonight. Dr. Jacob Elgozi finally going home to his wife and five children after battling COVID in the hospital for 120 days. When I was down, they would always cheer me up and try to tell me that there's always light at the end of the tunnel. With the pandemic exploding here in Texas tonight, the largest union of registered nurses in the nation is calling on El Paso hospitals to increase safety precautions, saying healthcare workers there are having a high rate of infection. Nora? Janet Chamlian, thank you. Tonight, France is more than doubling the number of troops on patrol and raising its security alert to its highest level after a suspected terrorist attack left three people dead in the southern city of Nice. CBS's Imtiaz Tayeb reports tonight from Paris. France is on edge tonight. The target, the inside of a Catholic church, where three people were stabbed to death. Investigators say one victim was virtually beheaded. The attacker, a 21-year-old Tunisian national, was shot and is in police custody. President Emmanuel Macron rushed to the area. Une attaque terroriste islamiste. Telling reporters France is under attack by Islamist terror and sharply increasing the number of troops on the streets to 7,000. This is a nation already tense after a series of violent attacks, all in a matter of weeks and all connected to the published cartoons depicting the Prophet Muhammad considered blasphemous by Muslims. Macron's defense of the images, as an extension of France's secular traditions, has sparked outrage across several Muslim countries who accuse him of pursuing an anti-Islam agenda for political gain. Tonight, the streets of Paris are almost empty as France goes back into a strict month-long COVID-19 lockdown, with many here hoping it'll also put a stop to any further attacks. Nora. MTS Tayeb, thank you. 
Out of this story, two suspected members of a white supremacist group known as The Base were arrested today, including an alleged leader they're accused of trying to intimidate a Michigan family by shining lights and taking pictures on their front porch. Now, authorities say the suspects believed that a member of the left-wing group Antifa was inside. Turns out their target never lived there. Well, the arrests come just weeks after militia members were accused of plotting to kidnap Michigan's governor. As foreign adversaries actively work to disrupt the election, senior intelligence officials say it's the days after polls close when America might be most vulnerable to misinformation. We spoke exclusively to Dan Coats, President Trump's first director of national intelligence, in his first television interview since the president abruptly replaced him in July of 2019. The nightmare scenario is that on election night, um, people will draw conclusions, or days after, will draw conclusions that their candidate uh, has been denied the victory and that public riots will result, that violence might result from that. The president says the only way he's going to lose is if the election is rigged. He also keeps saying this will be the most corrupt election in American history. Is this going to be a corrupt election? Uh, The president says things, uh, counter says them sometimes the next day. Uh, But I think if we adhere to the principles that are necessary for a legitimate election and the American people understand that and demand that, I think that's where we'll end up. Have you seen any evidence of widespread fraud or anything that leads you to believe this will not be a fair election? No, I haven't. And the people I have talked to who are looking at this have basically said they have not seen this, at least at this point. What the intelligence community has seen are efforts by China, Iran and other nations to disrupt Tuesday's election. But the country that concerns Coates the most is Russia in what he's calling the Super Bowl of elections. They're the New England patriots uh, of messing with elections. Uh, I think they do it better than anybody else. President Trump has continuously referred to Russian interference in our elections as a hoax. Are they a hoax? I am absolutely clear that by the intelligence we have gathered, that we have full confidence that the Russians are going after our elections. They're trying to undermine our confidence in democracy. They're doing it now. They're going to continue to do it. And the American people need to know that. The president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, has openly admitted, openly admitted to seeking information that could damage the Bidens. And one of his sources is someone who the U.S. government has said is a, quote, active Russian agent. Isn't that a national security threat? We need to get to the bottom of that. Absolutely. What's your advice to the average voter, Democrat or Republican, who's anxious, nervous about this election? Let's stand up together and say, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. We're going to stand together and at least do this. If we don't, Joe Biden and Donald Trump will not be the winners. But Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping and the Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei, they'll be laughing and saying, we got him. We cannot let that happen. Such a serious message, and Coates is now working with the bipartisan effort called the National Council on Election Integrity. You can find more information at counteveryvote.org, and you can see much more of our interview with Dan Coates. Go to cbsnews.com or on the CBS News app. Tonight, CBS News has learned at least five U.S. hospital systems have been targets of a new wave of ransomware attacks. 
That's when hackers disable computer systems and demand payment to unlock them. Among those attacked was the University of Vermont hospital system. Its patient records were made inaccessible. The FBI is warning of increased cybercrime targeting healthcare facilities. Jerry Falwell Jr. is suing Liberty University, the school he once led for breach of contract and defamation. Falwell says Liberty relied on false claims about his role in an affair between his wife, Becky Falwell, and a former pool attendant and the couple's business partner when it forced him out last August. Falwell says his ouster was, quote, antithetical to the teachings of Christ. You want to see what inspiration looks like? This is Anna Belfield. She is 101 years old and waited patiently on a rainy day in Queens, New York, just to cast her vote. It's not something she takes lightly. It's her way of honoring those who fought so hard to give her that opportunity. Anna's first election was in 1952. She voted for Dwight Eisenhower and has voted in every election since then. We're not sure who she voted for this time. She said she just hopes her vote will make a difference and help bring this nation together. Anna, thank you for showing us the way. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, we go on the road with CBS's Steve Hartman for a mystery. Why are so many people visiting this cemetery after voting? And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in CBS News Election Headquarters here in New York. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.